Your journey as a Navy family can be exciting and fulfilling. It can also be confusing and stressful. For all your challenges and triumphs, from how to thrive during deployments to navigating TRICARE, Naval Services Family Line has been your go-to resource since 1965. If you're living the Navy life, this podcast is for you. Join us as we discuss ways to navigate this Navy life together and define what it means to be a modern Navy family. Each episode will explore a specific topic about living the Navy lifestyle, introduce great resources, feature a Navy spouse who's rocking our world, or dive into the heart of our Navy traditions. Whether you are just starting out on your Navy journey, at the halfway point, or approaching the end, we know one thing is certain. We We are are better better together. together. Welcome to our Navy Life. I'm your host, Stacey House. In today's episode, we'll explore a story that truly embodies a trust-the-process mindset. Megan is the Secretary on the Naval Services Family Line Board of Directors and a Compass Mentor. Megan also serves as a command ombudsman for her Sailor's Command. Megan will be sharing her journey as a Navy spouse that began when she was just 19 years old and took her thousands of miles away from everything and everyone she knew and how she'd been able to cultivate community and a career while supporting her Sailor. Hey, Megan, how are you doing today? Hi, Stacey. I'm doing great. How are you? Oh. Other than a little bit of a sinus infection, I'm fantastic. I understand. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for agreeing to be on. Where did you meet your sailor and how long have you been married? Uh, I met my sailor in the summer of 2006 when I was working at a Greyhound racing track of all places in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Uh, Our families had actually been involved in the Greyhound racing business together for a number of years, but we had never met prior to that summer. Uh, He was about to go to boot camp, and I was about to start my junior year of high school. Uh, We got married when I went to visit him in Hawaii after my freshman year of college when I was 19, and we've been married for just over 14 years. So who makes up your family, Megan? So uh, it's my sailor, my husband, uh, John, and we have one daughter who's eight years old. And then we also have two dogs, a husker named for the Nebraska Corn Huskers. He's 12 years old and has been at every duty station with us. And then we have uh, Hazel. She's a three-year-old soft-coated meat terrier. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, I also love the dogs. Uh, What duty stations have you been stationed at? So we have been to Kaneohe Marine Corps Base, Hawaii, Naval Air Station Lemoore in Lemoore, California, uh, NSA Mid-South in Millington, Tennessee, which that's, I feel like everyone knows where that's at because that's where all right. the detailers are. <laughs> and uh, we're currently at Naval Air Station with the island where we will be until my sailor retires in 2026. Wow, that's quite a journey. Can you walk us through how you started this journey and how you ended up in Hawaii? Absolutely. I, I'm honestly still a little confused about how I ended up in Hawaii. Uh, my sailor and I got married right before he went to Iraq for a year on an IA tour. And that year was supposed to take him to the end of his initial four-year enlistment. And he planned to get out of the Navy and pursue a career in law enforcement. I was also told it would be four years. (laughs) (laughs) Funny how that works, right? Right. Every four years. Uh, Yep. Two-thirds of the way uh, through the IA tour, he called me and said that he thought he should re-enlist because he couldn't see his time in the Navy ending and wasn't sure that law enforcement was right for him. He re-enlisted a couple of days later and magically... 
ended up with orders back to the squadron he had just done his first tour with in Hawaii. When we moved to Hawaii, I was 20 years old. I had never been that far from home before, and I was immediately homesick. It was a huge challenge. Yeah. Yeah, I had been um, under the impression that the Navy was not going to be a part of my life for uh, most of my married life here. So I hadn't bothered to learn much about it other than fumbling my way through how to get my measly 400 pounds of a household goods shipment <laughs> from my parents' house in Iowa to Hawaii. Uh, most of that weight, I believe, was like a mini fridge. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. What were your biggest challenges whenever you uh, went to Hawaii the first time? Sure. Um, everything felt like a challenge. Um, I quickly learned that the life that I had just been thrown into was nothing like the Army Wives show I had been watched ah. on DVD while my husband was in Iraq. Uh, <laughs> Netflix, you know, that was back when they delivered those to us. It was nothing like that. I felt really misled. Um, <laughs> while we waited for a house, we decided that we would live in an apartment with my husband's best Navy friend and his roommates on an air mattress. Um, you know, thankfully my husband had been stationed there before, so he did know quite a few people, but they all spoke a language I didn't understand, you know, that Navy military language. And given that we were so young, most of my husband's friends weren't married. So I wasn't meeting fellow spouses that I could relate to and learn the ropes from. It was just really isolating because my husband, as the sailor commonly does whenever they get to a command, they walk in, they have this group of friends. Well, that was really true for him there because he had just been there a year prior. But, you know, the sailor, they go to work and, you know, it's instant friends. And then it can leave the spouses feeling a little isolated. And I definitely felt like that. So how did you overcome this isolation? Um, that's our, that memory is burned into my brain. My husband, he had brought home some information for me about the command's family readiness group and when their meetings and outings were. I mustered up the courage to go to a park play date that they had on their calendar. I knew I wasn't going to know anyone. And I honestly felt awkward even showing up because I didn't have kids to play at the park play date. Right. And I had tried to talk myself out of going, but I decided I would give it a chance. I just remember like pouring over, you know, what to wear and ways that I could start conversation with people when I likely had no idea what they were talking about. And <laughs> I remember just walking up to them and every step I took, I just wanted to turn back around and, and run away. Honestly felt like I had nothing to offer the group and that I shouldn't be there. And I couldn't have been more wrong. Everyone was so welcoming and encouraging, and they took me right in. I ended up exchanging phone numbers with other spouses and made dinner plans for the next night with a couple of the spouses I'd met whose sailors were also on night shift like mine was. The best part, uh, when the time came to discuss where the next monthly meeting would be held, uh, no one was volunteering because they'd all already hosted at their houses and they didn't uh -huh. want to host. Uh, <laughs> and so... Someone asked if I would be willing to host, and I said that we would be moving into a new house right before that meeting. We wouldn't have much stuff because our household goods had been, you know, the little we had had been delayed. But they said, that's okay. We'll bring lawn chairs and food, and you don't have to do a thing but just provide the space. And uh, that's exactly what happened. I had 20 spouses in my house with their <laughs> lawn chairs because all we had to our name at that point was a, a couch off a of buy-sell-trade group on Facebook before my Facebook marketplace. And then uh, a TV and entertainment center we got from the exchange. We had our priorities straight. 
looking back on that now, I realized two things. Um, one thing, they were just happy I was willing to host that and didn't care what my house looked like. And I think that we get so caught up in that. But really, people just want to come over. And two, they were just happy to have a new face show up to be a part of the group and contribute where I could. Outside of getting involved with the FRG for my spouse, the command ombudsman told me about Compass and encouraged me to attend the next session in Pearl Harbor. I left Compass feeling so much more confident about the road ahead. And I made friends in my Compass session that I still keep in touch with to this day. That's wonderful. Community is so important. Yes, we love Compass. So how did they support you, uh, support during your transition into understanding all the ins and outs of a Navy life? Sure. So I didn't know how much I would need that support when I when I first went to that meeting and then fell into a, a really wonderful uh, community. There, you never anticipate what, what life's got coming that can just rock you. And a couple of months after I moved to Hawaii, my childhood best friend called me and let me know that one of our close childhood friends had passed away that day in a car accident. I I don't know how to describe what I felt in that moment other than just that I was completely wrecked inside. Um, it didn't feel real. And my immediate instinct was just to get home to Iowa. But it took a couple days before everything um, was set for arrangements. And so I didn't want to get a plane ticket until I knew when that would have be happening. But I had told the people around me physically with me what had happened. And while I was waiting to figure out when I was going home, um, the friends I had made through the FRG and Compass were all really there for me. Uh, they came and kept me company when my husband was at work. And one of them got me to the airport to go home for the funeral. When I got back to Hawaii, I was even more homesick than I had been before and watched all my friends grieve together from afar. That's the wonderful thing about social media is it connects us, but you can also really see what you're missing out on. And that was really hard for me. Um, And then adding it on, my husband was also gearing up to go out to sea for a deployment. So we were in those early stages of the emotional cycle of deployment and thankfully, you know, this new community that I had kept me really busy with, you know, going to dinner, shopping, bunco nights. We all love those, oh, <laughs> you know, driving around the island, seeing all the Hawaii sites, just inviting me to anything that was going on. Uh, I was in the grief process for sure, but at least I wasn't doing it alone. You know, I was getting out and being, being amongst other people. And quite honestly, that, that saved me during that time. So were there any people in particular that uh, you looked to for sound advice as you found your footing? Definitely. I had one spouse that really took me under their wing in the beginning when my sailor and I first got married and then getting to Hawaii and getting set up. Um, shout out to you, Robin, if you're listening. Uh, she's always given me wonderful advice and guidance and is a great friend to me still all these years. Uh, I also had the privilege of my spouse being attached to a really tight-knit squadron where the command support team, which is like your triad spouses and the ombudsman, they were always getting spouses together for various social functions. So along with the FRG, that was integral for me and created numerous mentorship opportunities and moments that I think back to often. That experience taught me to seek out the seasoned spouses, as we love to call them, that have been where I'm currently at whatever that moment in time may look like and asked how they made it through whatever I may be going through 
what are the tips, tricks, life hacks that made XYZ process or time in their sailor's career easier for them, things like that. Uh, yeah, I think that everyone remembers their first uh, military spouse that takes them under their wing, because I know I do. What do you advise to have for Navy spouses that are struggling to find connections in communities where they live? Oh, gosh, there's so much here. <laughs> um, first things first, ask the, your sailor for any contact information they may have been given at their command in dock uh, for the command ombudsman or FRG. One thing that has been key to helping me get established at each duty station is that my spouse readily supplies that information to me if I haven't already found it myself. Um, you could also go to the Ombudsman Registry website, which will be linked in the show notes. And if you know what command your sailor is attached to, you'll be able to email your Ombudsman directly and get looped in. The Ombudsman is key to getting you acclimated with the community, the command. They know everything that's going on everywhere. As an ombudsman myself, I can tell you I get about 15 emails a day of just what's going on around me. Secondly, if there's something that you enjoy, find others that are doing that activity because you at least already have one thing in common. You know, you're doing whatever you enjoy doing. Um, When we moved to Lamore, I was job hunting for six months and I decided to give spin class a try at the base gym and I ended up falling in love with it. And I made a lot of great friends there that I still keep in touch with. Um, Another great way to meet people and find community is if you can get a job either on base or in the local area that you're stationed in, absolutely give it a shot. I have met so many lifelong friends that way. When I was working in healthcare in California, uh, I actually became good friends with the nurse that ended up being my labor nurse when my daughter was born. So never know who you're going to meet. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> lastly, um, I would check out the Family Line website and register for a Compass class. Uh, the in-person offerings are definitely ramping back up. Uh, it's a great way to meet people. And if there's not a session that's local to you, I do really enjoy sitting in on the virtual sessions throughout the country. Uh, We all have different experiences. So if we aren't in person, hearing stories from others helps me gain knowledge and perspective. I may not have gotten otherwise. And though hearing those perspectives may help me connect with someone that I'm going to meet in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Can you give us a brief overview? I know it's difficult uh, spouse, but about your career journey. Absolutely. Yes. Such a challenge, right? I have worked in a variety of industries over the last 14 years, mainly healthcare and transportation. Um, I held admin jobs in healthcare in various settings. And then I worked as a transcriptionist uh, transcribing disciplinary hearings for two major U.S. railroads for quite some time. Um, But at the end, you know, jack of all trades, that's the military's way. (laughs) It really is, though. (laughs) Uh, at the end of 2020, I finally gave in to some peer pressure from some friends to apply for a job at my Navy Career Center as a customer service rep uh, while we were stationed in Millington. Um, I applied with a government contractor, American Systems, who had spots available uh, on the My Navy Career Center contract and got the job. Um, I worked on the Command Pay Personnel Administrator or CPPA phone line, helping our pay and personnel administrators across the fleet get their pay and personnel transactions right the first time. Definitely the hardest job I've ever had, but the most rewarding for sure. 
Uh, I was there for about 13 months when I found out we were moving to Whidbey Island. And the manager that I was working for um, through the government contractor I work for was determined to help me stay with the company in a different role because I could not take that role at my Navy Career Center with me. Uh, Thankfully, it only took a couple of weeks for us to find something. And he went to bat for me to get an interview. And shortly after I interviewed, I was offered the position. And so now I work in a completely different field once again, but I love it. I work in personnel security, dealing with security clearance things. um, And I work on the best team. And I'm just really grateful that they were able to retain me through a PCS. And I hope that my experience becomes more common and isn't such a unique one to hear about. Right. Well, you mentioned being a jack of all trades. What struggles have you faced uh, in your career as a Navy spouse? Um, What haven't you? I think, (laughs) how much time do we have? Um, I think the biggest one is uh, just getting hired in the first place. I went to such great lengths. Uh, This is about 10 years ago. I remember uh, to have my resume not scream, you know, this, I'm a military spouse, you know, I'm college here and lived, you know, this job in Hawaii and this job in California. And that's, really, I am a competent person. <laughs> yes. um, you know, and military spouses are not a protected class. And so I can't tell you how many jobs I was turned away from citing that, you know, these employers know there's potential. I may not be around for more than a few years. And, you know, they say things like we're looking for something more long-term or, you know, whatever they can say it without saying it. Um, We all know why. (laughs) Um, And I mean, I often found myself underemployed for my experience in education, never able to get to the next level, so to speak. Um, But after, you know, when you have to job hunt for three, six months at a time, I just took what I could get at the end of the day. And I know I'm not alone when I say that I also struggled at times with resentment towards my spouse and his career because he was flourishing and I felt so stuck because I was battling this stigma that there is out there about military spouse and employment that I couldn't beat. But thankfully, I think we're moving away from the stigma military spouses face with employment and the military spouse and unemployment problem has never had more attention than it has now. Uh, the Military Spouse Employment Partnership Program is a great example of the renewed focus on military spouse employment. Absolutely. What advice, given that, uh, would you give a new spouse that's looking to establish a career? The first and main thing is to just keep going. Um, there were so many times that I wanted to give up on the career that I wanted uh, because I felt like I was not living up to my full potential. And that was a, a really difficult feeling to sit with every day. Um, in my head and just almost feel like it's just screaming at you that, you know, this is not what you had planned for yourself. Um, <laughs> and when I I reflect on it now, uh, I realize it's not necessarily about the job you get to put on your resume, but it's the people you meet there that help you get the next opportunity. Right. Just like what happened to me, you know, it only takes one opportunity or one person to change your life. And while I wish it hadn't taken 13 years for that to happen for me, um, all the heartache and effort was worth it. Uh, additionally, another piece of advice is utilize your Fleet and Family Support Center, the Family Employment Readiness Program, or FERP, as you'll hear them referred to. 
Uh, they're experts to help you with your resume and job search. I've utilized them numerous times over the years, especially when I was creating a federal resume for USA jobs. That is a whole different animal that you need an expert to help you with. So just keep going and use the resources that you have available to you. Yeah. Fall in love with a sailor, they said. It'll be fun, they said. (laughs) Super fun. (laughs) All right. Let's have some uh, fun questions. What are you currently binge watching? Clearly not Army Wives. (laughs) No, it's a good rewatch. Um, (laughs) I think the last show I truly binged watch was The Night Agent on Netflix. Uh, My husband and I are anxiously awaiting for season two to come out. I also am just really terribly behind on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills right now. So I'm trying to catch up on that when I have some free time. So we all have our secret uh, shows that we watch and don't yeah. tell people. I'm very impressed. That that out there. <laughs> what place I know you probably moved more than you were uh, thinking you would as an adult, but uh, what places would you want to travel to that you haven't necessarily been to? That is the easiest question. Uh, it's, the Chilean Patagonia, thanks to President oh. Obama. Uh, if you have not watched his show on Netflix, I think it's called Our Great National Park. Yeah, it is, a, I it is a, wonderful. Oh my gosh, it's it's a must watch. I think there's only five episodes, and I don't know what President Obama is up to right now, but I hope he's making more episodes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so do you have a favorite Navy or military resource that you feel like is a better, or maybe just better for you? I actually, I'm going to cheat here. I have two and it's not, I'm just want to put a spotlight on them because I don't think they get talked about as much. Um, the DOD library. I love it. It's invaluable. I use it to get all of my Kindle books and audio books for my whole family. So it saves us a ton of money and it keeps is, everybody entertained. And when we talk about creating community, one of my favorite things to ask people is, do you read or listen to audiobooks? You know, what's the last book you read? What are your favorite books? So it serves a lot of purposes. Yeah. Second uh, one that I was turned on to by our former family line chairman, Beth Weber, uh, the Stephen A. Cohen military family clinics that specialize in mental health services for service members, their families and veterans. Uh, they do offer in-person and telehealth services and their wait times for care are significantly less than those in the civilian sector. And I just cannot say enough good things about them. Love that. So, uh, do you have any secret hobbies? You already told us about your secret uh, watching. Well, I'm just going to throw myself under the bus again here <laughs> <laughs> in the name of, in the name of being real. I'm a huge Sims fan. Do you know what that is? Yes, I do because oh I am God. up to age. <laughs> yes, I have been playing Sims since I was probably 11 or 12 and I just really love it. Um, I'll go through times where I won't play it for a few months and then it'll randomly take over any free time I have, you know, for a couple weeks at a time. But I mean, I've had the same family going for like, I think close to 20 generations now. So, Oh, wow. That's your daughter get involved in that with you. uh, She would like to be an observer sometimes, or she is an observer sometimes, but I, um, I think she's still a little young to, (laughs) to to, to really enjoy the game. So I'm sure she'll, she'll be the next gamer in the family. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Megan. We appreciate you sharing your journey and story on how you navigated the Navy life. 
Uh, we hope our listeners will come back for future episodes. Be sure to find us on social media to keep the conversation going and follow us wherever you get your podcast so you don't have to miss an episode. I'll see you next time, Megan. Thank you, Stacey. That concludes today's discussion. Thanks so much for joining us. To find more resources and ways to connect with your Navy community, visit our website at www.nsfamilyline.org. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook to keep the conversation going. You can find the links in the show notes. For more episodes to help you navigate your journey through Navy life, be sure to subscribe, leave us a comment, and we will see you next time. (laughs) 